0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to week 14 of Stat Chasing. It was a really interesting week to, to break down. We had major quarterback injuries for two key contenders in Baltimore and San Francisco, a drastic backfield shakeup in Buffalo where James Cook seems to have overtaken Singletary for the lead role, continued elite wide receiver performances from Diggs, Devontae, and Tyreek, and one more vintage Brady comeback uh, on Monday night. Pat. I'm glad glad you're here to join this week. Uh for Connor. How was uh how was your week?
1: My week was pretty good. Uh capped off with a Rashad White game winning touchdown. Uh probably, you know, probably probably good sign if Tom Brady's uh, about the happiest he's been all season because of uh the player you have the most experience <laughs> to in best ball. That was I felt good. And then also, you know, we could we could use those points. I think Chris G, uh he had a sweat going where he needed Rashad White and uh he saved the day. So I had a lot, a, of, a lot of ship chasing fans there are in on Rashad White.
0: Yeah, that was huge for me too. I actually had a home league where I needed a win to to have a chance to make the playoffs. And I was down by four last play of the game. Rashad White catches that touchdown. I, th- I actually thought it was done because uh four net. I think I'd been in for that whole drive. He'd been in
1: for the whole drive. Yeah. Didn't bring him in until the very last play.
0: Yeah. I guess he's a little out of shape. Uh, Fat Lenny couldn't couldn't say <laughs> well, the last couple of plays. No one, whatever, no whatever ever accused him
1: of that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So yeah, good to, good to see White. Uh, good to see James Cook. So I think a lot of uh, rookies, running backs, and wide receivers will will get to. Um, seems like. Yeah, seems like my redacted shares could could finally be be on the up. So um, yeah, just to give everyone an overview, we'll we're gonna go through the normal stat chasing uh charts and stuff that I do every week here. Um and then at the end, Pat and I are gonna focus in on the underdog playoff best ball contest. So we'll do some draft streams at at the end of the show. Um, but yeah, why don't we why don't we jump in to to the charts? Starting Let's with do
1: quarterback. It.
0: Cool. So here starting with quarterback, um same chart as always. We have TD rate here on the y-axis, 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 sorry. And adjusted yards per attempt on the x-axis as well as quarterback rushing yards per game shown for the size of the bubbles here. So you see guys like Justin Fields, Jalen Hurts, more of the rushing quarterbacks really pop here. Pat, I think a lot of the stuff at quarterback has has stabilized. And for people who watch the show, I I don't think we need to to continue to talk about players we talked about a lot before. So in the spirit of that, I'm curious on your take for two quarterbacks that seem like they're going to get some starts here down the stretch for playoff teams um, and Brock Purdy for San Francisco uh, and Tyler Huntley for Baltimore. I guess let's start with Huntley because he's a little bit more of a known commodity. We've seen a bit of him last year at Baltimore. How are you viewing Huntley in sort of like the streaming quarterback mix for the next couple weeks assuming he he gets a few starts here
1: i mean the issue is that all of this stuff becomes a lot more complicated with you know a lot of waivers closing down as we head into the playoffs and everything so yeah it's hard to just say like because the simple take you know my the take i want to make is he's a great streaming option and you know he's he's got the exact same type of skill set as lamar jackson he's just not quite as good And, you know, we saw that last year. He can support Mark Andrews, uh, we would imagine. He certainly did last year. So, Mm -hmm. uh, And there's nothing else really to support in the offense anyway. So, yeah, I mean, he feels like a very comfortable streamer. The issue is, like, are you comfortable going into a playoff format with him as your backup quarterback, you know? uh, And I think you probably are because, like – (laughs) <laughs> to be honest, in, in a lot of these formats, if you lose your starting quarterback, you're going to be in really rough shape anyway. So it might, you might as well have someone with rushing upside to go to war with, even though there's a worst case scenario where Lamar comes back. And then maybe you wouldn't if you've, you've picked up Huntley and now he's worth nothing to you. So, yeah, uh, that, that definitely complicates things. But I think Huntley will be pretty serviceable here for fantasy purposes. What are, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I feel
0: similarly. Um you mentioned like a similar skill set to Lamar. I, I feel like more of a film take here, but their mannerisms are like weirdly similar when they're on the field. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you feel that way, but it's it's not just like their, <laughs> their like kind of arc type of play, but it's like their actual physical motion on the field looks very similar. It's it's <laughs> funny watching them. Um, stronger immune system for Huntley, which we do like. Yeah, stronger immune system, it seems. And maybe, maybe he gets breakfast with Mark Andrews more than Lamar does. Yeah, I don't know, he, he seems might. to he seems to really feed him. But yeah, and to your question, I, I feel the same way. There is definitely the nuance. Like, you got to consider your format. If I'm in a format where, you know, more of a home league format where waivers are not locked, you can add and drop these guys, and I need a streamer this week, I know there's, you know, a bunch of teams on buy. I think I'm targeting Huntley pretty aggressively, um, you know, considering the other alternatives might be like Kenny Pickett, Brock Purdy, like in these leagues where a bunch of the quarterbacks are scooped up. I'm pretty excited about Huntley. Um, I think I view him as like a low-end quarterback one streamer, streamer this week with all the buys.
1: Yeah, I, I that feels right. I mean, Pickett has some nice matchups coming up, but I feel like he almost has to has to crush to to be as comfortable a start as as Huntley would end up being, just because the rushing. The rushing's so much stronger with Huntley. Yeah. Huntley, I think,
0: had around 40 yards rushing and a touchdown this past week. So he's gonna give you a lot of the Lamar rushing stuff um in Baltimore, which is definitely exciting. Another guy I really, to be honest, know nothing about, uh <laughs> Brock Purdy in San Francisco. Um I'm curious if you have like any any thoughts on Purdy. I know he did like a decent Jimmy G impression in the game uh last week, sort of a lot of dump offs, um, you know, lower yards per attempt, lower adjusted yards per attempt. Let me see on Jimmy G, but He won them the game against Miami, um, and seemed seemed decent enough. So I'm curious if you have any takes on Purdy. If you like looked at him at all when you're looking at dynasty prospects, or um, yeah, any any like bigger thoughts on Purdy? I'm curious.
1: Not really. I like we have some small sample on him. I I guess he wasn't he wasn't terrible. You know, Uh, he was 13th in EPA per play on the week. Uh, I believe he was 10th in success rate, ninth in success rate. Uh, so, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't terrible as far as the efficiency goes, even his accuracy was 16th in completion percentage over expected between Kirk cousins and Justin Herbert. So, you know, like (laughs) he was, he's not Kyle Allen, you know, which, which counts for something. I I guess the issue, um, we're not, I don't think we're starting pretty anywhere, you know, I mean, he would be kind of a super flex, uh, like best ball type of pickup uh yeah active waivers there but i mean i don't really see how else you're playing so it's more about how we're supporting the 49ers skill players of which you know there's a ton of guys we're interested in uh it feels like maybe this is better for mccaffrey than everybody else uh probably a lot of check downs dump offs uh he was tied for the team lead in targets against miami so yeah. you know that's probably what's driving that opinion to some extent, but also, I don't know, it's just sort of a logical, logical way. I I think this might go. Uh, What are your thoughts on them?
0: Yeah, I think, I think I feel similar. What I've been trying to think about and and maybe we'll get to it more when we talk, talk, talk about the best ball stuff is how much does the drop off from Jimmy G to Purdy, impact the 49ers um, playoff odds and chances of making the Super Bowl. Because before this injury, I think they were like the consensus, at least in betting markets, um, number three team of the NFC after the Eagles and the Cowboys to to make it to the Super Bowl. So, yeah, maybe, maybe we can table that discussion for when we
1: talk to the best. Because well, Jimmy has for. a chance to come back for the playoffs, right? Or, or in the playoffs. There was a report today about that.
0: I thought it was two months, um, if I remember right. Uh, so maybe it'd
1: be like for the Super Bowl or something.
0: Yeah, that's what it seems like. I guess if he, if you trust that timeline enough, it could be Super Bowl. Maybe he comes back a little quicker and is available for the championship
1: game. But yeah, you're right. It's seven to eight weeks, so we put him available around the divisional rounds uh, or NFC Championship game is what we have on Roto World.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know. I have to think like, I th- have to think it hurts their chances significantly. Um, Jimmy was like playing pretty well this year. Um, but yeah, I think that's something interesting to monitor over the next couple of weeks to see. We have seen in the past in San Francisco when CJ Beathard, uh, Nick Mullins, these guys come in and they like seem to do a decent Jimmy G impersonation and get San Francisco some wins. Um. Yeah, I'll be curious to see if if Purdy can continue that trend of the backup quarterbacks playing well, or if we're going to see a major, major drop off in San Francisco. Kind of, kind of wait and see there. I
1: think five point four eight dot for Brock Purdy, which is ultra low. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean he certainly was checking down a lot. I think it's probably pretty. I, I think Ayuk had what nine targets or something last week. Yeah. So it was fine for him last week, I guess. But he would be the guy. Him and Kittle. It's like a little concerning for um, Debo's probably. Maybe Debo gets more of that like short, like running back style stuff. Uh, so maybe he's okay. And then I, I think McCaffrey will be fine. But yeah. yeah, it definitely makes all of them riskier bets in the playoff formats for sure. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Let's
0: um, let's move on to to running back um here. So. Looking at this chart, we're now looking at running back expected fantasy points and efficiency. Here on the Y-axis, we have receiving expected fantasy points per game. On the X-axis, we have rushing. Uh, If you add those together, you get a sense of a running back's total workload in terms of expected points. Um, A lot of things here that we've seen for a while. Austin Eckler's receiving usage is insane, kind of lapping the field. Uh, Josh Jacobs just receiving Monster rushing volume with a healthy receiving volume as well. We've been seeing that for weeks. I think maybe the most interesting discussion here in the AFC, Pat, is is the Buffalo backfield. I think people may maybe have sort of forgot about it because it was on on Thursday night. But we saw James Cook overtake Singletary in that game. Um, sort of all across the board, he saw sixteen routes to Singletary's thirteen. He saw six targets to Singletary's just two and he actually out carried Singletary 14 to 13 uh, in in that game. So I guess the question for you, do you think that's like a one week blip sort of based on, you know, th- weird Thursday night weirdness? Or do you think this is sort of the beginning of the James Cook takeover in Buffalo?
1: Man, I want to think it's the beginning of the Cook takeover. He looks so good. Uh I don't tend to rely on the eye test a ton, but like he crushes the eye test. Uh, He's also been running well. Like If you look at rush yards over-expected per attempt, uh, which is an NFL next-gen stat that I really like, he's been doing very well in that the last few weeks um, or the last couple times that he's gotten work. 43% of the snaps, though, this past week, which is pretty low. So it's like hardly... You know, if he was if he was in the 60s or even the high 50s, I think we'd feel a lot better that this was something where they're actually, like, installing him as the lead guy. Uh Instead, Singletary was at 44%, Cook was at 43%, and Hines was at 31%, and they had just been playing – I can't remember what the stat is, but they played three games in, you know, a short period of time because yeah. they had the Thanksgiving game um Sunday, Thanksgiving, and then the following Thursday. So they never – You know, it could it could simply be that they were trying to preserve Singletary's health, who played 78 percent of snaps in week 12, played 72 percent of snaps in week 11. So then in the third game of these three tightly um, scheduled games, they then go to to cook a lot more. And we also saw Naheem Hines, 31 percent of snaps when he's been really an afterthought. So I think you could make like a fairly strong case that this is like nothing. That, you know, Singletary is still gonna be the lead guy. We'll see him this week at like, let's say, 65% of snaps. And yeah, Cook will see more than he used to, but he'll be, you know, in the 30, low 30s or something. And there's not much fantasy value in that type of role. I think that's like that's like very plausible, but he looks so good. He also has an elite yards per out run. He only has like 75 routes. So, you know, you take that with a big grain of salt, but everything you know, basically, no matter what phase of the game or, you know, what he's being asked to do, he's crushing it. Um, So, yeah, I think they'll I think they will increase his role. What he it's maybe a little Tony Pollard and, and Ezekiel Elliott in that uh, Singletary is pretty good in terms of success rate and, and kind of is a decent chunk play runner. But Cook is where the explosions coming from. Yeah. I think
0: that's a good comp. And yeah, I think I kind of agree. Like I I do think this is the beginning of James Cook having a bigger role in the offense, but I'm not expecting some like linear takeover where Singletary gets relegated all of a sudden. I think it'll be kind of more up and down before we see that. And yeah, the other thing I wanted to note in that game, I think just adding up the snap counts for these three backs, I think about on 20% of offensive plays or, or something in that range, they actually had two running backs on the field and, from watching that game, I remember seeing a lot of shotgun formations with both Hines and James Cook out there, and I hadn't remember really seeing that at all um, before this past week. So I wonder if that was almost sort of like a new offensive package uh, that they they opened up on Thursday night. So I'm curious to see.
1: It's if funny you mention works. that. I uh, sometimes I'll like go too far down the rabbit hole on something in the walkthrough, and then I'm like, you know, I probably should have gotten. Uh, Two games done in the span that I wrote about that one thing. <laughs> um, and one of those things this week was uh the Bills offensive personnel. Because I noticed two weeks ago, and I wrote about this in the Thanksgiving walkthrough, I was like, I don't know what they're gonna do here because last week they went with a lot of heavy personnel in a in a kind of a an odd way, um mm-hmm. or you know, a way that had not been um very typical at all of what the Bills had done to that point this season. And they went back to A lot of 11 personnel against the Lions. They operated out of 11 personnel on 88% of their offensive plays against the Lions, which was actually above their rate heading into um, week 10 when they shifted to uh, kind of these heavy personnel sets against the Browns. But then they went back to it against the Patriots. Hmm. And it's not just they went back to heavy personnel. Which they did. Their their use of eleven personnel fell to fifty three percent. It was at forty nine percent against the Browns. So, very similar rate. And they were they're typically up in like the high seventies, eighties. So, uh, you know, a big shift in terms of both. It's both two tight end and two running back sets that they're shifting away. It's kind of I would say it's more the two running backs, but they are using some two tight ends as well. And the, the, those power personnel groupings are generally better for running the ball. And in both games, they had a negative pass rate over expected. Those are the only two games all season that the Bills have posted a negative pass rate over expected. Not only that, the only two games they've been below a 5% pass rate over expected. They're almost always like a truly pass heavy team, like every single week, pass heavy, pass heavy game plans. But two of the last three weeks, they've been run first to run heavy with power personnel on the field. Hmm. Uh, this matchup kind of sets up where you might want to go with more uh, power personnel, given that we have this very strong Jets defense. They're actually not that strong on the run. The Bills struggled against them the last time they played. Uh, the, the pass rush here could maybe create a little bit of trouble. Um, in particular – the bills are letting up quick pressures at a pretty high rate and the jets are decent at generating those. So I'm, I'm kind of thinking of them maybe like a little bit more like Miami when um once they got Jeff Wilson and not that they went like run heavy. I mean, Miami's still very much like a run first or a pass first team, but they can keep the defense a little bit more off balance. Yeah. And so I, I'm wondering if they might do that again and kind of like, pick their spots a little bit more with the passing game this week. And maybe we get more rushing attempts than we're used to with the bills again this week.
0: Yeah, I would buy that. That's those are interesting notes on, on the jets defense. Um, Didn't didn't realize that. So yeah, I I would definitely be monitoring that. I think that's two things to watch this week. The, the split between cook and Singletary, and just the overall um, sort of structure on the bills offense. If they continue sort of trending towards run heavy, that certainly would be something to note. Um, I guess a couple other quick hits here in the AFC. Um, Zonovan Knight on the Jets continued to show out pretty well um, and earned a fairly large role in New York. I would actually expect at this point for him to maintain a role even when Carter get, comes back, which could be as early as this week. But yeah, I think you can can fire up Zonovan Knight with, with relative confidence. And then um, in Casey, just wanted to note, they really are sort of continuing to define the roles of um, Pacheco and McKinnon. We did see McKinnon get a little bit more involved um, running the ball this week and Pacheco a little bit more involved uh, running routes this week compared to normal. But still, it's a pretty clear um, split here between the rushing and receiving role. As you can see in the chart, Pacheco all the way on the right with basically just rushing expected fantasy points, McKinnon sort of on that top left side there with just <laughs> receiving expected fantasy points. So it's a pretty- You need to yeah. find a
1: back who can combine these roles, please. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man. Yeah, that would be fun. Ronald Jones, maybe? He's
1: not that guy as much <laughs> as I love him. He would just be, he would literally be even further, further down than Pacheco. <laughs> even Pacheco's already the baseline. Yeah,
0: I guess the only guy that, I, I think McKinnon can do both. Um, and maybe they're saving that a little for the playoffs. Um, but yeah, I was gonna say maybe Melvin Gordon, um, could get a role and and do a little bit of both. Please, no, I don't think he's been
1: so bad as a rusher. He's just, he's just worse. McKinnon, yeah, he's, yeah, which is also what CEH is. There's no one, (laughs) they don't have anyone who can do it, uh, who can do both things, unfortunately. Yeah, it's it, the it's funny, the
0: most explosive uh, running back in this team. Was someone who was widely known for having uh dead legs as of three.
1: Years ago. <laughs> yeah. We were calling this dead dead legs McKinnon like a what year, <laughs> two years ago? Yeah. Now he's by far the freshest legs. Oh
0: man. Uh they need some talent there in KC. But yeah, um, anything else that you want to note on on the AFC? I think that's all I had for these guys.
1: I mean, Ramondre. Yeah. Love to see it. Uh what was his snap? Wasn't it something crazy? Like he had like 97% snap share. I think the, uh, Harris only
0: had Kevin Harris only had one snap. I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. That's right. Kevin Harris had one snap. Remondre Stevenson had 53 of 54 snaps for a 98% snap share. 98%. Yeah. <laughs> that's why Kevin, Kevin Harris one run. I do remember. Cause I watched this game. He like ran
0: into his own lineman, like really hard, almost like, not as bad as like the butt fumble. Obviously, he didn't fumble it, but it was like that style of running into your own lineman. And he never played after that. So I'm not expecting him to get uh more involved next week. No, uh, he's not about or, to make a move. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's good to know for for Ramondre. Uh yeah, let's take a look at the NFC NFC chart here. Um again, yeah, I think here the interesting thing to discuss is probably similar to uh Buffalo and Tampa Bay, we have Rashad White coming on strong the past couple of weeks. Fournette did return and outsnapped um mm-hmm. uh White somewhat considerably. He had 48 snaps to Rashad White's 33. Um, he almost he had 32 routes to Rashad White's 21, but White did see more targets than Fournette, um, about the same amount of carries, nine to ten t- to Fournette. So yeah, as I watched this game, Pat, I thought it was just sort of like a pure rotation of drives, and the discrepancy in snaps could almost be attributed to just like which running back's drives lasted longer. Like, there was some, like, substitutions within drives, but that was kind of rare. Um, I don't know. Did you did you see, like, Fournette really taking a true lead on White there, or do you think it's, like, basically 50-50 um, in terms of usage?
1: It seemed like a lot of Fournette at the very end of the game, Yeah, you know, where not only are those um, pretty valuable, although there weren't very many passes to the running backs, as it turned out, uh, on those particular drives. But obviously, like, a hurry-up role would be important to have when the play here is for both guys, is they, they need to have the pass-catching work. So that was definitely concerning. But then, obviously, White comes in for the final play, uh, scores the touchdown. I, I thought ran, like, a really nice route. Yeah. You know, like, kind of understood where he needed to be, and it gets in the end zone. So uh that obviously makes you feel like, hey, okay, sure, Fournette had the edge, you know, this week, but maybe that doesn't end up being the case going forward. We've already seen Rashad White start one game over a healthy Fournette. Uh, I've seen him play well. He got 90% of the snaps when Fournette was out. Mm-hmm. So they definitely trust him. Um I wouldn't be – like – I think it's probably, you got to consider this kind of like a 50, 50 timeshare right now. And uh, I wouldn't be too worried that it goes to like Fournette net 70, 30 up from 60, 40 uh, last week. But at the same time, if it is 60, 40, again, we're going to need a touchdown for white to pay off. And uh, he's not going to get in the end zone every week.
0: Yeah. I feel similar. I think it's close to 50, 50. I, I do think if I was forced to pick one just for the rest of the year, like just projecting their points out, I think I would give a slight edge to Lenny. I think he's more likely to earn the goal line touches. I don't actually remember in this game if they had a goal line carry. I don't, not that I can recall. I could be missing something, but I don't know. Just from from the eye test, um, which is what we have to go off of. Uh, White doesn't look great running on the interior and with net size and sort of history in that offense. I'd have to guess that he's more likely to earn the goal line and short yardage carries, but again, that's that's more of a guess than something
1: we have I, to I agree with that. the idea that he's got he's in better position for that work. It's just like yeah. there isn't that's not really the work you want to have the edge on. I think like if White is able to take more of the receiving work, yeah. then um you'd rather have that in this offense. Like they're so ineffective on the ground. They're not this juggernaut offense that we thought that they might be and they have been in the past they really only look good when it's the very last drive of the game and they just have to pass right it's not a well like they, it's yeah. not an offense and coach marriage that really works like bowls bowls doesn't want this team like he would he yeah. would just like tra- he would trade himself to the falcons if he could <laughs> <you know? laughs> he would much rather be doing that Bowles so, is also. i mean he's punting on like
0: you know the opposing team's forty-five on fourth and five, and you can tell Brady just hates it. He, he, yeah, he's doing all
1: these, yeah, cowardly
0: things out there that Brady hates.
1: And while you might be right that Fournette is a better bet to outscore White, I think if one of these guys hits big, it's it's White. So I would be yeah, I would be drafting White ahead in uh, playoff formats personally. Yeah,
0: that's fair. I don't. I would honestly. I'd flip a coin. I think it's really close. Um, but, yeah, I, I can see the argument for Whitey. So I think he definitely has more upside. Um, I guess I'm just, I'm just thinking, like, if someone's going to have, like, if the Bucks' offense does come back and someone's going to have, like, a three-touchdown game from goal-line carries, like, I would put the money in Fournette. But I definitely think White has bigger upside to break away long runs, you know, rack up, like, ten
1: catch games or whatever. So um, Stephanie but- asked in the chat. She she points out that he had a fumble in this game lost it. Yeah. Do you think that affected his? Because I don't think it's going to affect anything going forward after he's the hero, right? But no. maybe it affected the the playing time a little bit this week.
0: Maybe it did. I and mean, maybe that's why, like, Fournette maybe got back to back drives at the end before White came in. But yeah, I don't, the fact that he got the game winning touchdown, I don't think that
1: that's the fact fight. that he was on that, on the field for that play at all is bullish in its own right. And then he, he did yeah. it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. I think overall we can feel good, feel good about white going forward.
1: Other things I wanted to note. Um, I feel he's sorry, but he's a little Tony yeah. Pollard. It's a similar thing to like cook and Pollard for me with those guys. Where it's like, I don't, it's not all great. And we're also seeing like the Pollard snap share is is getting more and more tilting where he's back yeah. to like a, the 40% of a 60, 40 with Zeke. And we'll probably see it again this week. Cause like, they're going to be salting this game away against the Texans. Why do they need to be, they should be honestly like the intelligent move there is to play Zeke over Pollard. Um, but you know, a similar thing where you're like, you have the more talented back in white and cook and Pollard, but you may not have the guy with more playing time. I still feel like that's where you want to be because we are more confident yeah. that this, the talent is with that guy, but it's like, it feels a little shaky for sure.
0: Yeah. So a couple, a couple things I wanted to go off there, I guess like, First on White, the reason I, I'm hesitant to compare him to the, those guys, and I know you weren't like directly comparing them, is I'm just Pollard like Pollard is yeah.
1: much, much, much more explosive.
0: <laughs> yeah, like I was, like when you watch White versus Cook and Pollard, like they don't look in the same caliber of player. And, and it could be this this Tampa Bay offense that's holding back um, White, but I think he looks okay. Like I think he looks like competent as a pass catcher, good hands, like decent route runner. But when he gets the ball in space. It's I don't know. He doesn't look
1: that fast, that expensive. No. So Pollard's the, the fastest guy on the field. He's probably the, the best guy on the field. Uh well, maybe that's hyperbolic with CD Lambs out there, deck, etc. But yeah. he's really good. Pollard's Pollard's way better. Um yeah. but it is more but but the talent gap is still pretty big between White and Fournette, I think. At least in my opinion.
0: Yeah. No, that's fair. I think if you look at like the advanced metrics, they both rank in like the back half of things, but Fournette's like near the very end and, and white's more like middling in general. Um, so,
1: and whites popped some weeks. Um, yeah. And actually that's similar to cook where James cook. Hasn't like for the season, it doesn't rank all that well in some stuff, but he's had some weeks where you're like, okay. And so I think both those, which is kind of what you'd expect for both guys being rookies. I think. Okay. And, And, uh, the other thing I want to note on, on
0: Dallas. So I, I wish I could find this, but so yeah, you, you mentioned the the Pollard snap counts this week were were down uh, to like the forty percent range. Right. Zeke kind of considerably out snapped him, but I was wondering if I could find the f- first. I uh, can't dig it up. I thought I saw like the first half snap counts were pretty even, and then Zeke pulled away in the mm. second half when they were up massively. Um, I might be able to pull that up. Yeah, I unfortunately don't have that note there but yeah that, i mean so the final score of that game was what 54 to 18 or something so i'm not sure how much we can take from the snap counts there um but that said like the dreams of pollard being at like a 70 30 or even 65 35 to zeke like i think i think those are dead it's going to return you know more 50 50 or even slightly in zeke's favor in terms of snaps um which is frustrating but i think pollard is still very very startable they're a really good offense. Um, They're funneling a lot of looks to the running backs. So I'm not like, I'm just still starting Pollard every single week and not really
1: thinking about it. They're funneling a lot of, of carries for sure to the running backs. Like um, over the last three weeks since Zeke has been back, they are combining for an average of 31 carries a game. Uh, Both, both the top two running backs, not all running backs, just Pollard and, Zeke are combining for 31 carries a game, and yeah. the last two games the Cowboys have had a minus 11 percent pass rate over expected. Uh, they're really leaning on the run game in a really big way. They're going to do that again this week. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, I think I think you are firing up both guys. And by the way, you're you're right with the first half snaps. I'm going to make sure to get this on the walkthrough. Actually, I hadn't thought to look at that. Pollard had 21 snaps, which is exactly what Zeke had in the first half. So, yeah. But I mean, I will say that probably doesn't help you this week because um, there's no way, there's no way that this game is close in the second half. Like absolutely zero percent chance. So did you say it was versus gonna, the Texans this week? Yeah, yeah they're playing okay. the Texans. I mean, it's a it's a joke. So I think, I mean, just just alone like the Dallas defense versus Davis Mills or Kyle Allen. I mean, it, it's they probably shouldn't even play this game. No, it it's gonna be terrible. It's gonna <laughs> um, be so bad. I feel yeah. like
0: Malik Davis is gonna have like three touchdowns in this game somehow. It's gonna be disgusting.
1: It's yeah. They, they, I w- they probably should play a lot of Malik Davis. Um, yeah, but the one thing too that's not great for Pollard is that so he he ranks awesome in rush yards of expected per attempt. He's great in breakaway yards per game. He's second in both metrics. Uh, he's running back seven in yards per route run he's running back one in fancy points are expected per game uh but his success rate's kind of whatever you know like the consistency isn't his strong suit it's all mm-hmm. it's big plays he, he's a big play receiver he's a big play rusher zeke's really solid in success rate so you know it's a little similar to like Singletary cook or whatever where it does it actually does kind of make sense to use both guys as much yeah. as we would rather just have the explosive guy out there for as much as he can handle. But like from a coaching perspective, I kind of get it, especially against team like the Texans.
0: Yeah. I-, I think it I think it the usage kind of makes makes sense, like you said. Like Zeke's not playing so bad. I mean, and you don't want it for like you're really talented receiving explosive back. Like, why do you want to risk giving them, you know, 10 carries up the gut per game? especially at Pollard's size. Like, I think the usage kind of makes sense. But also, like you said, like, I think it's a good point that, you know, we can bring out the first half snap counts all we want, but it still, like, takes away from a running back's upside if they are not the one out there to salt the game away. Like, I kind of remember this with Kamara, you know, in years past where Ingram would get all those touches when the Drew Brees led Saints were up big at the end of games and, like, that would cap Kamara's upside a little bit because he's not getting the salt the game away carries. You know, that's not, like, Massive because they're slightly less valuable touches, right? But it's still, you know, you can't completely disregard that. Like, I don't think Pollard's going to ever get those touches um, based on the usage. So, um, yeah. Uh, I think another another thing we should talk about is DeAndre Swift um, in the Lions' backfield this week. We did see Swift back to a better role. Um, I think I actually, like... You, you may have predicted this on your good football show pod this past week where I think either you or Kyle or someone kind of nailed like, it. Yeah, yeah. I said, you, said his like, upside was
1: 50% of snap. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Upside was 50. He hit that upside of 50%. Um, so yeah, curious, like that's, that's good, right? He was at like 20 to 30 range, I believe in the weeks leading up to this, he's back to 50, a lot of the high value touches. Um, that's a good thing. I think you can now like feel comfortable starting him. Do you have any read on if like there's do you think there's more upside now, or do you still think like the upside is capped around around 50 for Swift?
1: 50. I mean, I think I think the bullish thing here for Swift was like I did kind of a back of the napkin calculation to, to be like, I think, you know, looking at week 12, I was like, I think his upside's probably around 50 because you're still gonna get like 40 for Jamal Williams, and that leaves 10 for Justin Jackson, who, you know, we always want these running back threes to go away, they never fully go away usually. Yeah. Um, so you know, give him his 10 and, and maybe that gets swift to 50. Swift got to 51, but Justin Jackson was still at 21. So Jamal Williams dropped more than I thought he might. He dropped mm. down to 30%. That would be awesome. If you so now maybe we can get to 60% if Jackson goes away a little bit more. Maybe even the low 60s um, so now I feel like your upside target has moved to, let's say, like 60. And that's nice. And you probably feel like I'm definitely getting 40 to 50 um, with DeAndre Swift. It's yeah. still definitely shaky. I don't think it's not like what we drafted. And yeah. I don't think he's back to being, you know, like a locked in starter. But uh, he, hit, he hit the upside projection. I think his upside projection moves up now. And I mean, he looks, he looks good and he's, he's producing. So, and the, I mean, frankly, this offense is just pretty, it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. It's like kind of a, an offense I don't mind betting on.
0: No, I think the offense is good. They also, I mean, DJ Chark's back. Josh Reynolds is healthier. Jameson Williams is going back. Like their, their offense is getting all their guys back. Um, So I feel good about continuing to bet on the offense. Yeah. This Jamal Williams role, like almost breaks my chart here. He's got an insane rushing workload sort of in the bottom right, like below the chart and just absolutely no uh, receiving workload. It's a really, it's one of the weirder roles. Um, (laughs) He does break your chart. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was trying to think of a a historical
0: comparison to the Jamal Williams role. Like, I don't know if it's like Jerome Bettis level uh, role or like what you would compare it to, but it's like insane, insane expected points from goal line. It's like Mike Tolbert. Yeah. Maybe Mike Tolbert. Yeah. I don't know. It's bizarre. Um. Anyways, a couple other quick notes. I'll let you uh, react to, to any of that, that spark your interest. Um, first Seattle, I think with the Ken Walker injury, I'd be prioritizing uh, Travis Homer ahead of DJ Dallas and Tony Jones, but that is a huge toss up. We don't really know the health of Dallas or Homer Homer's dealing with a knee injury, Dallas, Dealing with a high ankle injury, I believe. And then Tony Jones, I think, is just bad. Um, I'd give the slight edge to Homer just because I think he would he had been running ahead of Dallas this year up until the injury. So I'm I'm betting that Walker misses some time. And I think Homer's the guy you want, but I would be sort of adding um probably the order would be Homer, Dallas, or yeah, I don't know, Homer Jones, Dallas, I think. Maybe maybe in that order if you're looking for the Seattle running backs. Um other thing, yeah. Make, I, I think yeah. I
1: think it's Homer probably, yeah.
0: Yeah. Low confidence in that. Like, definitely monitor the injuries this week. But if I like some leagues, I know you have to make your waiver decisions tonight. Um I would go Homer, but because I think he was a bit of a surprise inactive this week. I know they mentioned the knee injury, but it was I think he was ruled out with the illness more than the knee. So I don't I don't know, but that's that's a weird one. Uh definitely monitor it this week. There Other was thing, a playoff
1: game like two or three yeah. years ago where they leaned on him as kind of a every snap guy or close yeah. to it, I think. And it, not much of a fantasy relevant dude. He's mostly just soaking up snaps, but I think they trust him. Yeah, I think that
0: historically, like Homer and Dallas have been on the same team for a couple years now. Um, I'm not going to do a deep dive into <laughs> Travis Homer versus DJ Dallas, but my my gut <laughs> my gut and my memory says that they generally <laughs> like Homer over Dallas. Uh, I'm not going to waste my time with that, um, but yeah, other other gross backfield discussion. Cam Akers, you know, shockingly comes back to life this week. If you have to start a Rams running back, um, you know, you're probably in your constellation bracket if you're looking at Rams running backs now. But I would go with uh, Akers over Kyron Williams. But it's a bit of a bit of a ping pong effect there, back and forth.
1: Yeah, I mean. I don't know what league this would be in, but eight seventy-two percent of snaps. Uh, and Kyron was at 71% the previous week, but I'll, I'll bet on the guy that's got it most recently. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Cool. Let's, um, let's move on to wide receiver for people following on along on video. I'm, I am flashing up the like running back snaps and usage charts. I will also post these on Twitter. This is sort of another look at running back usage here but i think we covered a lot in these in depth so i'll post on twitter for anybody who wants to um look at these these numbers uh in more detail but won't cover off here on the pod let's move on to wide receiver so here we're looking at wide receiver opportunity versus fantasy points for the wide receivers with greater than 85 percent of their routes run Um, so full-time wide receivers we have fantasy points per game here on the y-axis And then weighted targets per route run here on the x axis. For those who are not familiar, weighted targets per route run is the number of targets uh, these players are earning per route, but it is adjusted for the depth of target. So, you know, your 40 yard downfield shot to DK Metcalf is worth more than your, you know, behind the line of scrimmage screen to Rondell Moore. And that's sort of reflected in that metric here. Pat, again, a lot of this is sort of stabilized i think like we see a lot of names we'd expect to see in the top the top right here i think maybe the relevant question for this week and, and we touched on it a little bit um is the san francisco wide receivers in brandon ayuk and debo samuel how far are you dropping those guys this week and yeah maybe to make it like more concrete how would you rank say say you have you know gabe davis Michael Pittman, um, DJ Moore, and Brandon Ayuk. How are you ranking Ayuk amongst those those four
1: guys? I think you're on mute, Pat. So Pittman Moore, Gabe Day, he might be fourth. Okay. I honestly, might be fourth. I, I just, like, I'm already, I was already struggling with the, San Francisco guys, you know, it's already feeling like kind of roulette. There's no, there weren't really any sign. They had very flat weighted targets per route run across the whole team. Um, Kittle, Debo, Iuke, Juwan Jennings as well was pretty flat in terms of the uh weighted targets per route run. He runs a lot less routes than those guys, but he's continued to be involved, uh, which is like not what we need. And then we yeah. lose Jimmy. So, uh, you know, Ayuk was, he ran a route on 100% of dropbacks last week. And I think he's kind of like their true sort of classic wide receiver one. Debo's hasn't really like challenged. He hasn't really taken that role back this season after starting as kind of the hybrid still. Um, So I, I think I, I think I would have Ayuk last. Yeah, that, that's interesting.
0: Um, I think I'm maybe a little bit more bullish, but I can definitely see on the floor, drops out for those guys um i think yeah just with Ayuk running 100 of the routes and i'm just a bigger believer in the talent of him than than davis and Pittman, and and it's not like you know davis obviously has good good quarterback if line. you like
1: routes i mean Pitt, Pittman has literally not missed a route in the jeff yeah. saturday era he hasn't in the entire saturday era the guy's not taking a route off yeah, it's kind of wild.
0: That is that is pretty crazy. And Gabe Davis is you know he's not that far out, not that insane level that Pittman's at, but he's consistently been like close to hundred percent routes. Yeah, he's the route
1: leader week. in Buffalo over. So over yeah,
0: uh, I don't know. I, I I definitely think I like I think the point is like last week I would have confidently said Ayuk easily over Pittman Davis and more, and now like I am kind of waffling when having to choose between them. And y- you seem to be even lower than than me on him so i think overall we can say it's it's a pretty big hit for i mean
1: now that we got sam darnold supporting uh, dj moore we're back <laughs> in right
0: yeah sam darnold is uh he's known for stringing a bunch of good games together so i
1: think we can. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. what he's known for for sure yeah yeah <laughs> what it's could just- go wrong
0: what could go wrong oh man um nick I- on the gabe davis thing like, I would so. He, uh, Nick's comment is seeing Gabe Davis so low on weighted targets for route run is a little worrisome. I've been kind of like tooting this horn this whole year. I was actually pretty high on on Gabe Davis um, in like the offseason when I was drafting best ball or whatever. Um, but he's just been like really bad at earning targets this year. Like, he's in the same, in terms of like earning targets, he's in the same range of guys like Josh Reynolds, Robert Woods, Adam Thielen. Matt Collins, DPJ, like, that's what we're talking about in terms of, like, his rate stats. Obviously, he's on the Bills, so bump up those rate stats by Buffalo's volume. Like, that's not reflected on the chart, the fact that Buffalo throws way more than any of those teams. So it's not, like, as dire as I'm describing, but, like, it's still pretty bad. Like, do you – I don't know. It's weird for Davis, right, because he was so efficient on a per-route basis, like, his whole career – leading up to this, it's almost like it's flipped. Like he used to be this really efficient on a per route basis, couldn't see the field. Now it's like he sees the field all the time and like can't earn targets. So I'm trying to understand like maybe longer term view with Gabe Davis. Like what, what kind of player like do you think we're looking at? Um, do you have any way to like explain, you know, sort of how bad he's been on a, on a per route basis this year?
1: Well, he so he has uh, a first read target this year on 10% of his routes which is not high at all. Uh, Stefan Diggs is at 22%, which is a really good rate. Isaiah McKenzie at 11%, so higher than Gabe Davis. So that's that's concerning. That's like a concerningly low rate. And I ha- think it helps explain why he has a 15% target rate. He's a true deep threat with a 16.3 dot. So, you know, he's not he's not drawing a lot of targets. And the weighted targets for outrun accounts for the dot. But in general, like, You know, you shouldn't get like too, too concerned with a a low target rate of 15% because he is when he does draw a target tends to be pretty valuable Uh, to that point. I I would note um, he's seeing middle of the field targets traveling at least 10 air yards uh, on 4.5% of his right rates, which is actually pretty high rate. Hmm. It's the highest on the bills. So it's like when he is getting deep shots, he's tending to get high value like middle of the field deep shots that he can you know take to the house potentially um or or aren't gonna necessarily always be like the the super tough catches. Amari Cooper rate's really low in this metric, by the way. Like if you think about like him, he's always having to do he's always getting like super underneath stuff or like really difficult sideline catches. Yeah. So I think you know it's not quite as dire for Gabe in some ways, but also like he is not – the offense is not designed to run through Gabe Davis. The offense is desi- designed to run through Stefan Diggs. Gabe Davis's his role is to help take pressure off of Stefan Diggs. Diggs has only been double teamed on 23% of his routes, which is like – it's a high rate, but it's much lower than you see from a guy like Jamar Chase, who leads the league with like a, I think, 33% rate. Yep. Or right around there. So I feel like Davis is kind of doing his job. He's drawing coverage – not drawing at a super high rate, but he's drawing coverage enough to keep Diggs as kind of the engine of the offense. They're calling plays with to get Diggs the ball a lot more than Davis. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I think you throw him out there and you hope that this is a week where he has a spike week. Like, that's that's who he is. Uh, but he's, he's that guy playing with Josh Allen. So you feel okay about it. And then the last thing I would note is that I mentioned the heavy personnel stuff with the Bills. He might benefit from that because yeah. uh, Hayden Winks has shown, you know, if you're in two wide receiver sets, that that's good. If you're one of those wide receivers, you're now competing with not a wide, you know, there's not a third wide receiver on the field, which is good for you to be able to earn targets. Um, and so with that in mind, you know, he's had seven targets. He had seven targets against the Browns. He had seven targets against the Patriots. Um, so I actually feel like maybe this is a week that could be a good week for Gabe Davis, even though they shift to the run. Maybe off of that run, uh, off of those running plays, we get some big plays for Gabe Davis downfield.
0: Yeah, I like that. And um, also, some people in the chat mentioning the injury and Liam saying, "I think eleven days off is big for the Bills." I have seen like some people splice clips together of Gabe Davis running routes and like seemingly limping and stuff. So maybe there is some like ankle or something going on with him too. And maybe after um, you know eleven days of rest. That that gets better. I know he's been banged up this year, but yeah, that that all makes makes a lot of sense. Um, okay, cool. Moving moving on to the next chart. Um, again, a lot of things that sort of we've seen a lot. Tyree Kill is absolutely breaking um, my chart once again at eighty eight percent weighted targets for outrun. Uh, he's got the best role in the league. We see you know Amon Rock crushing it. Jalen Waddle having a pretty strong role. We've seen all these things for weeks. Um, the thing I wanted to ask you, Pat, maybe this is, you know, jumping ahead a little bit, getting into the realm of dynasty. I think we have a big enough sample on some of these rookie wide receivers to to have some like dynasty takes about them going forward. So um, just, you know, putting on the spot here, but off the top of your head, how would you rank? Um, I'm thinking of the five wide receiver, five rookie wide receivers that have flashed the most this year and in my head that is pretty clearly chris olave garrett wilson christian watson Traylon burks and drake london i think you'd put him in here just for sort of his rate stats um how are you thinking about those five going forward and maybe like a ranking you know off the top of your head
1: one through five for dynasty wilson one uh then i think you have to have a lave two. And I wasn't that high on Olave coming in, but like I mean, I don't know what else you're looking for at this point. Yeah. He looks like a stud. Yeah. Um, then I would have Burks three. I, I think if he hadn't had that concussion, he would he was that was gonna be explosion game for him. Yeah. Uh I really liked him as a prospect and I, I feel like he's shown uh you know talk about like deep over the middle of the field targets. That's like all he's getting. It's beautiful. Um I think I'd put, I think I'm Watson four. uh, I mean, yeah. very similar profile to a where he's getting a ton of deep looks and he's also the number one target earner on the team. You could argue that he, you, I mean, if anything, I feel like you could argue, I have Watson too low. So, uh, like apologies to Drake London, but when, when George, when, uh, Kyle Pitts was healthy, they were, going to him with their first read targets over London London had a lot of targets last week but Olam- uh, Olamide, Olamide Zacchaeus was was getting a ton of targets over him two weeks ago and like Arthur Smith's probably not getting fired so we're doing this all over again next year and dynasty is very much a year-to-year game like you're you are if you're investing in one of these rookies you need to be thinking about what is their value going to be at this time next year. Yeah. And I think another like almost year of dealing with this Arthur Smith offense is is not going to have us all that excited about Drake London, potentially. So I think I'd rather invest in the other guys. Not that Drake London isn't good. I think he's good, but uh, I would have him five right now.
0: Yeah, I think I think I would have it. Uh, very, very similar. I think you can like nitpick here or there, maybe flip Olavin, Wilson, maybe flip Watson and Burks, but I think that's like the right order. Um, Yeah. Just a couple notes on like London versus, versus Watson. And again, it's still relatively rough sample or small sample for just the rookie year, but uh, London is sitting at 1.72 yards per route run this year, which is good um, for rookie. Definitely not something I'd be like scared off of. Um, But Watson, I think is up at 2.3. Three yards per yeah. out run, which is a really elite uh, rate for a rookie. And yeah, like you said, he's going to be tied to Rodgers. I think that's why I would like similar to the argument of um, Arthur Smith being back in Atlanta. I think, you know, Vrabel and his schematic yeah, style can be back in Tennessee. I think I would actually say Watson over Burks just for the the trade value side of things. I think Watson is the guy that's going to have a higher redraft price next year than Burks, I think, you know, just for being on the Packers offense. And, um, you know, when he's actually been on the field for a full-time role, he's absolutely just exploding in terms of fantasy points. So I think
1: people will have that in their mind um, from the trade value perspective. So the pushback um, I'd have there. And I think that's a totally fair take. Uh, I don't really, I, I think it's fine, but the reason I would go Burks ahead, um, he also has an elite yards per hour run right now. Both guys are at a sample level where, like, you'd you'd really love to see more routes to feel like confident about um, saying, you know, this is reflective of of their true talent level. But it's still a really good sign, even even right now. Um, And so, you know, compared to London, uh, Burks is up at two point one nine, so he's he's much closer to Watson than London. Um, And we're also seeing, you know, the offense starting to go through him more. And then, like the thing with Burks, I really liked him as a prospect. I thought that he could be kind of this big downfield weapon for the Titans, replacing, you know, some of what AJ Brown was doing for them. Mm-hmm. To see him like doing exactly that is like very is very exciting. And then you also think about like what, what's this team look like when Derrick Henry's gone. You know, is he are they potentially gonna have to throw a little bit more? So I I start to see kind of the the ultra run heavy part of this team maybe gets a little shakier here before it does in Atlanta. But I, I agree with you about the redraft thing. I think Watson probably will go ahead of Burks. I think we're talking about like second-round pick London, probably two – maybe maybe early third for Olave. I Wait, think you mean Wilson?
0: You said second-round
1: London. Did you mean Wilson? Oh, I'm sorry. I meant Wilson. Yeah. yeah. Second-round okay. Wilson, early third Olave, third, fourth turn – uh Watson and then yeah. like Burks in the in the maybe four or five does that feel right that, that feels
0: like directionally right to me um
1: yeah I'm trying I guess
0: I'm comparing like Waddle was two three turn this year so yeah I, I don't see he was why, more like,
1: like three four turn
0: oh that's right he was two three turn before Tyreek got signed and then Tyreek got signed right. and he got bumped back right okay yeah so that, that all seems right to me I think like <clears throat> Waddle I think you know Wilson's rookie year is like comparable to Waddles. I think Olave's is is two. I'd have to dig more into it, but that all sounds right to me. So, um, yeah, we're gonna. I mean, this is a really. Now that I'm talking about it, I'm just realizing like those top five. That's a really strong wide receiver class. I think some of the other guys, obviously Sky Moore, uh, Pickens, um, Dotson, have disappointed, but having five guys that have showing this much promise um, and will all be. I think like I think we can comfortably say they're all going to be. Top six, seven round best ball picks next year. Like, that's uh, a pretty exciting class.
1: I'm more, by the way, unless something changes, I think he's we've got to be we gotta. I want to be betting again on him, tied to the Chiefs and everything. He's actually flashed on a per route basis, but like, yeah, got to keep the price cheap on Sky Moore. He's like, it's very concerning that he we're all trying to to find the guy who got his price. Yeah, we're all trying to find the guy who did this. (laughs) That was literally me, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think like. 13th rounds is probably like what we're looking at right now. Maybe 14th. Unless, again, unless he can find a, if he finds a way to get on the field and maintains the efficiency he's shown, I'm I'm willing to get quite a bit more bullish. But right now, uh the fact they just have no interest in playing him is like extremely concerning. One thing I uh I just want to talk two of the other high uh high guys real quick. Uh because yep. Pickens, people have been asked about him in the chat. Um, and yep. I'll also note Jahan Dotson. Both those guys aren't getting open if you look at this espn rolled out an open score that uses the nfl player tracking data and i listened to an interview where they're describing it and uh it's actually pretty interesting like they use like their measure of open changes based on like the situation so like if you're if your speed is increasing and you have a step on your man downfield like that's open so it's not just like separation it's actually pretty it's a pretty nuanced score using the the player okay. tracking data um so I, I think it's pretty interesting to look at interesting. Uh, if you look at george pickens among all wide receivers and tight ends he ranks 93rd this season in open score uh okay. if you look at Jahan Dotson, he's at 103rd uh there's only 111 guys that they have in here aj green is the lowest on the list aj green and robbie Anderson four <laughs> cardinals are the the two lowest on the list. Uh Marcus scantling is third last. Uh, Garrett Wilson ranks 10th. He leads the rookie class. Chris Olave ranks 13th. He's second.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, AJ Brown leads the league. Uh, Tyler Lockett is actually tied with him now. And then Tyree Kill is is third. So I don't know. It's pretty interesting. And that is interesting. Kind, of, more. kind of fits with uh, what we're worried about with Pickens, I think, and Dotson is that they're they're just not getting open. Uh, so those guys would definitely be, you're getting the low yards per out run with those guys. Plus a metric saying they're, they're not getting open. I would be, I would definitely be concerned. Yeah. I'd be
0: concerned. It's, it, it strikes me that Pickens, like if he's going to break out, it's going to be in like the Mike Williams type of way where he finds a quarterback that's willing just to get him huge volume, even when he's not open, cause he's such a good contestant catch guy. Um, yeah. but yeah, that archetype is like pretty, pretty rare. And as we've seen with Mike Williams, like hasn't always um, been consistent. So um, yeah, that's, I think that's kind of what you're betting on with Pickens, but um, yeah, you know, players can develop. um, He can, he can figure that part of the game out, but early returns, like I think are a bit, bit concerning with him. Um, Let's, let's finish off with tight end here. I know we wanted to do some playoff basketball drafts. Um, So I didn't have a ton of notes at tight end this week here we're looking at tight end utilization and efficiency uh for guys with greater than 60 percent of routes run so these are all sort of the full-time tight ends um the the big thing i want to note this week is actually not for a guy that comes up on this chart but i think for the the tight end premium uh sickos out there for which i know there are many um shaga is someone that is maybe going to be a little bit off people's radar, but I think should uh, people should be paying attention. He actually led the Titans in snaps this week at tight end, which had not happened all season. He was like very much a rotational player. He ran 21 of 35 routes to Hoopers, 20, um, saw five five targets, like once again, ripped off like a 40-yard chunk gain in the game. He's been really explosive. I think he has like, five straight games of a play longer than 30 yards um and if you go to this chart here um he has the rate stats are really good with him he has a 25 targets per route run his eight out is 9.9.5 so he's being used down the field um he's a guy like i know the tight end waiver wires in these leagues is pretty barren i think he's a guy that has like a lot of upside to earn a full-time role uh down the stretch and um yeah Tight end, there's not a lot of upside out there. So he's one guy I would put a flyer on if you if you need upside at tight end. Any any thoughts on, on Chig? Um
1: I like but, him. Yeah. yeah. He he is he's seeing a first rate target on 17% of his routes, which is actually just one percent lower than than Burks. Uh, and so he's second on the team, he's ahead of Robert Woods. Uh they're they're looking to get him the ball when he's on the field. Uh he has a 25% target rate, which is really good. Uh, he's got 2.75 yards per out run which is really good he's this is all small sample size stuff he's only yeah. run he's on he's run 100 routes so it's like all small sample size stuff but you know with these rookies like we do want to be paying attention when they're flashing elite efficiency that will come down yeah but their role can also increase a lot and so in the we just saw the role increase also like Burks might miss this game Burks might miss yeah. a matchup with jacksonville who is terrible against the pass. I mean, that would be very bullish for Chico Conquo if he's able to take on a bigger role. And I think I think uh, what we saw last week was partially driven by Burks being out. Burks obviously went out very early in that game. And so they needed someone else they could go to. Robert Woods uh, and uh, Nick Westbrook-Akine, I believe, combined for 10 yards in that game. Terrible. I mean, it was absolutely disgusting. So they they have no playmaking right now. Yeah, 10, they literally combined for two catches for ten <laughs> yards. Um, I, I think he's I think he's pretty interesting. I'm actually going to float him in the NFC team. We like we're desperate for a tight end. I'm going to float him there as a pickup. And that's not even tight end premium.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's yeah even even non end premium. I think he is like worth add in deeper leagues. Um, yeah, like you said, like I think also variable. We might get frustrated with um. His usage in terms of being you know leading very run heavy offenses but i do think rabel and the titans coaching staff is smart in getting their best players on the field like we saw burks have a very limited role once he started playing well that grew to a full-time role like i don't yeah i have less confidence in some coaching staffs like you know the the fucking colts tight ends when jelani woods is 100 yards and he goes back the next week to playing like 20 percent of snaps for no reason like i i don't think the <laughs> the the titans coaching staff is is going to sort of like do something as stupid as that so um (laughs) know, (laughs) i I know that that was tilting yeah um yeah anyways um any any like other macro thoughts or like any interesting nuggets on tight ends as you've been going through the walkthrough this week i didn't have a whole lot else there is some some uh buzz in the chat about mcbride if you have any thoughts there um
1: yeah leave it to you for final word on tight ends this week Well, McBride, I mean, check out the ship chasing uh, from last week if you want to hear my thoughts on McBride. I'm just, like, nervous that he hasn't earned any targets all season. (laughs) Like, sometimes with these backup tight ends, like, especially a guy who's drafted in the second round, like, when he gets on the field, he would actually have, like, a really high target per outrun because he's there for, like, a specific package of plays. Yeah, Uh, But he, he just hasn't been involved as a pass catcher whatsoever. Uh, the Cardinals also like didn't really use the tight end much before Zach Ertz got there, so I don't necessarily buy there's a like a a role that he like has to be in or whatever. Um, I don't know, so I, I'm not like all that bullish on McBride, but he was a pretty decent prospect. I thought he was the best tight end prospect in the class. Although tight end prospects, I'm like pretty willing to change my mind on pretty quickly on depending on what you know the information we get in the NFL. Pretty hard to project, um, but I mean that's still and he was a second round pick, so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think he he could be something. Uh, he just hasn't flashed anything so far. I would note Daniel Bellinger was back after a brutal eye injury, like broke a <laughs> bone in his face. Eighty three percent route rate last week. That's pretty sweet. Um, also, not getting targets at a really high rate or anything, but he saw five targets last week, which you know you'd be pretty psyched about if you have McBride. So he's definitely someone to to keep an eye on. Yep. Nice, that makes
0: sense. Yeah, I think I'm I'm with you. Al McBride a bit concerning. Still has a decent role. We'll see if if he at least keeps that. He'll um, be out there, yeah. Yeah. Uh, last two guys, I guess, like super deep leagues. Deep leagues. Mitchell Wilcox was the Hayden Hurst replacement, um, and Kate Otten had a pretty big role with with Braid out. So maybe two yeah. other like desperation plays you can look at this week um, at tight end. Okay. Let's uh, move on to the playoff best ball stuff. So, yeah, like I mentioned at the top of the show, we're now going to talk through Underdogs playoff best (laughs) ball contest. So they have the wild card out now, um, has 15K up top to first place, I think like a $12,000 or sorry, 1200, sorry, 12,000 entrance size tournament. So, so pretty big tournament that's out there already. Um, We're going to start, Pat, uh, before we draft a team with looking at um, sort of a macro view on what teams we want to attack in this contest. Um, and to go through that, I have this chart here, which shows um, this, these green bars shows the team's percent chance of making the playoffs with the lighter green color, their chance of making the Super Bowl. I, I chose that over winning the Super Bowl because that's really sort of like the important probability here. That's the probability that these uh, players get either three or four games. Right. Um, so that's really what we want to care about when we're evaluating these teams, the odds of making the playoffs also important too. like you are going to have some, you know, you're going to draft some players on teams that you're maybe just banking on for the first or second round game. So that's something we want to look at as well. And then on the bottom of this chart here, in order to sort of look at what teams are potentially undervalued or overvalued, I looked at the number of players on each team that are currently being drafted, um, in this contest, looking at the underdog ADP. So the number of players that are going in the top 20 picks by ADP, the top 40, and the top 60. And as if you look at this chart left to right, I think the market is not stupid. Like Philly, Buffalo, KSD, Dallas, a ton of players are going in the top 20 and top 40 of ADP off those teams because um, those are clearly the teams with the best odds of making the Super Bowl. I think that that totally makes sense. But as you go further to the right on this chart, I think we can find some potentially undervalued teams um, in the AFC. I wanted to highlight Baltimore and Tennessee, where Baltimore only has, they have zero players going in the top 20 um, and just two players going out in the top 60 picks. That's Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews. Even though 538 still has them and even betting markets still have them as a decent odds to, to make the Super Bowl at around like eight to, to 10%, depending on what you're looking at. So but who do we take? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> who are we supposed to draft? <laughs> That's a gross.
0: So yes, let's talk about Baltimore. That's, I think that, that obviously is like why there's only two players going. Cause it's, it's so gross. Um, but I think in both Tennessee and Baltimore, like there's an edge where those, te- like the betting markets are telling us the 538 model is telling us like these teams have decent chances to make the Super Bowl and nobody wants to draft them so like i think there is some edge in taking like three players you don't even have to you don't have to like oversack them you don't have to take five guys but you know throw in your duvernay isaiah likely dobbins and baltimore on tennessee maybe throw in your uh, Conquo, like burks isn't even getting drafted tannehill's
1: not even getting drafted like i think see all that- right now now we're talking yeah give me some burks and uh well, that's that's really the only one that got me excited. about. <laughs> Dobbins, Dobbins jumps out there. Yeah, I mean he's definitely someone who, like, you can tell yourself a story where he's he's like healthy for the playoffs, and I mean they they would they've already been leaning on the run game, so yeah, okay, that's that's a third guy we can draft. Yeah, How,
0: and yeah, the pass catcher. It's so. It's so gross. Like, I don't know how I'd pick other pass catchers. Like, I think you would narrow it down to probably Demarcus Robinson, DuVernay, and likely as the, the top three non-Andrews pass catchers. But, yeah, that
1: feels like flipping yeah, a coin. I'd almost rather to go with, like, an NFC receiver. You know what I mean? Like, you're yeah. in these drafts, like, you're – Like, if you do a Baltimore stack or something, um, you might end up, you know <laughs> – having a choice between like uh, Tyler Lockett and Demarcus Robinson or something, you know, cause the Seattle guys have been going really late. So I don't know. I can't do it. I can't. Yeah. Take Robinson.
0: And that's, and that's like what every like gut instinct when I'm drafting it, like it's so gross and I, and I don't do it often like taking Isaiah likely over Tyler Lockett. Like it's so hard to make that click, but Something I'm trying to think through in these tournaments is just like if Baltimore makes the Super Bowl, they're getting four games. And like in one of those four games, I think like the Duvernay or DeMarcus are likely is going to help you advance. And it might not even be a spike week, right? It might just be like, you're in, you know, the third round of this tournament, you're playing against like 10 other, like nine other teams. Half of them like can't even field a roster because they picked the wrong teams. Right. Like the other half, like didn't, you know, pick sort of more concentrated players. And you get Demarcus Robinson's like 60 yards in a touchdown game that no one else has. Like, I don't know. That's what I'm trying to yeah. think of. Where if you just pick, like, we're just kind of thinking about like, we're in the scenario where Baltimore makes the Super Bowl. Like, I probably want more than just like two players on their team just for like the cumulative points aspect. So.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on Baltimore and Jet? Like, because they with this Lamar injury, are these odds reflective of the fact? So they're eight and four, and Lamar might miss potentially like three games. So now they get the Steelers, the Browns, and the Falcons. So even without Lamar, they could go two and one. Um, yeah, you know, giving them a loss to the Browns there, but
0: yeah. It seems like they're – yeah, the, the Ravens do seem a bit risky because there, there are scenarios where they – I guess if the Jets and Patriots or, like, Chargers finish – if one of, like, the Patriots or Chargers and the Jets finish hot, the Ravens could fall out of the playoff picture completely. I, I do think, like, what the 538 model seems to be doing is it, it um you can, like, adjust their model – like for the quarterback adjustment where they're actually like, you see this in the 49ers. Um, they're adjusting the 49ers Super Bowl odds heavily because they're like baking in the fact that Jimmy G is going to be out for the, for the entire playoffs or like based on the odds, that seems to be what they're doing for the Ravens. The model seems to be like, not like their, their uh, Super Bowl odds don't change when you do like the, the current quarterback adjustment or not. So I think what that, that feels wrong is like, to me,
1: it should change.
0: Yeah, but I, I think, like, if we assume that I, what I'm saying is, like, I think it's assuming that Lamar is back to full strength for the. Oh,
1: product. I see, I see, I see. Yeah. I thought, okay.
0: Which I think is, like, the right
1: assumption to make, but. I'm going to their ELO ratings. They have Huntley, they have Lamar at 175 points of ELO and Huntley at 46. So they they must just be assuming we get Huntley or we get Lamar back. But yeah. But their odds of making it have to go down, especially if Lamar's not fully healthy when he comes back.
0: Yeah, let's see. It it does. So the odds of them making the playoffs drop by two percent. If I like, I, I I should share this on my screen. But if I flip between the two models, like quarterback adjusted or not, the odds of making the playoffs do drop. But the odds of winning the Super Bowl don't drop. So uh-huh. what I'm assuming that makes sense. Model, yeah, I think that's like the right way to do it, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Like, there's a reason they're under... Like, it feels gross to bet on Baltimore right now. Like, there's a reason they're undervalued. Their, their offense is not... Even though they've won a bunch of games, their offense has not looked great, even with Lamar. And now he's hurt. So, like, it definitely feels like a gross bet. But I'm going to... Like, I think that's, like, too baked in to the, the players' ADPs at this point. Um, To, to the point where I think I'm going to, like, draft a couple Baltimore teams in, in this tournament. I like it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Nick uh in the comments here says, I've been telling myself stories about Dobbins <laughs> getting healthy since May, which yeah, that's fair. But I do I think Dobbins is pretty interesting because um when like when you do when we do the FFPC playoff contest where you're picking only one player from each team, the thing to think about is like, what does this pick sort of say about what I'm betting on with this team? Like yeah. how, like is this team, you know, for example, like if you pick the Titans. And you are sort of doing it in a in a in your mind where I'm betting on the Titans to win like three games. Um, we probably have Derrick Henry, you know, because Derrick Henry's like the engine of their offense, right? Um yeah. If you have if you have Chico Conquo, you're hoping that you get one nice Titan premium game and then they lose. Like they almost have to lose, and you know, you get lucky in that game. So if the Ravens go to the Super Bowl, like I'm not saying Dobbins is definitely healthy, but you know, if Dobbins is healthy and they're able to lean on him, their odds of making the Super Bowl are probably pretty underpriced. So it's kind of a nice correlated bet in that sense. You're you're making this yep. team to make a run. What would really help them? Healthy Dobbins.
0: Yep. I like that. Dobbins is definitely my my favorite third uh Ravens pick. Um okay any yeah any thoughts on the on on the Titans? Um I guess like more Macro, like the models, the betting markets are saying like they have a better chance of making the Super Bowl than the Dolphins, you know, Tampa Bay, Seattle, some of these like more fantasy friendly teams. Um, Would you be making any like
1: Titans, (laughs) Titans bets in this format? One thing I've noticed, uh, I've only done like a handful of these, but one thing I've noticed is that the AFC teams tend to get snapped up like way quicker than the NFC. It's like way more comfortable. Like if you're doing a bills thing, it's really comfortable to go over and grab a couple NFC teams on ship chasing. We got a bill stack. That's probably going to be blown up now that they're going to get the buy, but we got a yeah. bill stack. We got, um, I think it was Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rashad white, Tyler Lockett, Kenneth Walker, DK Metcalf. That, I mean, that's pretty sweet. You're getting like the that's whole awesome. offense, for, t- but you can't really do that on the. A- you can't like build, the same thing where you go Eagles and then go get like the core of two AFC teams it's much harder to do, uh, at least from the drafts that I've done. So uh, in that sense, the Titans are kind of interesting to me where at least I know I can get a Burks who's the number one receiver on his team, you know, for a team that's definitely making the playoffs. That feels, that feels nice to have in your back pocket. And then, um, I guess the Bengals, the Bengals were kind of easy. Like they were kind of the fallback option. I wonder how much, you know, pricier they they are now after they beat the Chiefs.
0: Yeah, I I think the the Bengals prices are way up. I, I have a ton of Bengals teams already. I think that's the team I'm most exposed to because nice. there, there was a while where their like playoff odds were only like 60% or something. And yep. now we, I think we can be pretty confident they're going to make the playoffs. Um, and I think the prices are rising
1: on those guys. Do you have the teams we built the last time we did this? It might be fun to pull those up. Before.
0: Yeah, I can pull those up. Um, yeah, we should definitely look at those. I think we did do a Bengals team, um, maybe two Bengals teams. Um, anyways, last thing I wanted to, to know before I pull that up. Uh, San Francisco is clearly overvalued when look at this, look at this chart. That's obviously because of the, the Jimmy G injury, like the betting markets and the 538 model think that's a massive hit to their like chances of making the Super Bowl. So there were so many 49ers going early in these drafts. And I think it'll like McCaffrey's, I think, just by anchoring effect, he's going to stay up in the top 10 picks for a while in these drafts. I am like, that's like the biggest fade right now, I think, in these drafts is McCaffrey. And and you can see it at like the player level on this next chart. Um, We're looking at here underdog ADP on the Y-axis and then um, odds of advancing to the Super Bowl on on the x axis here, um, and yeah, McCaffrey McCaffrey's going like way too high when you factor in their chances of of making the Super Bowl now, um, unless we get some like magic news on on Jimmy G in the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah, any? Okay. I, I think I think we should jump into some drafts here now. Pat, any any other thoughts before we go, go into it? No, let's, let's do it. Okay. Do you want to um, – I see you already have the your tab pulled up. Do you want to take over for yeah, that? Yeah, we can do it on mine. Okay. Yeah, and I'll look to pull up those teams that we drafted at the end.
1: Well, we got to know our exposures, you know. Our exposures <laughs> <First, laughs> so through two drafts is really key. <laughs> it's important.
0: <laughs> you, got to, you got to manage them. <laughs> um, I think I did the dumb thing where I didn't label the drafts that we did, so I might take some more investigative work to uh, okay to figure out what I have like ten of these teams, so I'm not sure exactly what ours were. Um, yeah, the teams we drafted were so good that I just intentionally didn't want to label them, so um, <laughs> I, can t- I can take the money at that. You know? <laughs> oh wait, no, I lied. I did label them. Um, Sweet. Here, wait. Let me let me screen share them quickly um let's see okay so you're able to see the underdog uh tab now right no i'm still seeing i'm still seeing the underdog odds oh shit okay Um sorry guys, I'm still new to StreamYard. Give me one second.
1: Nick pointing out the commanders at 69% chance seems like a great cheap backdoor. I think it does feel pretty decent. Yeah.
0: I was I was gonna mention that too. Like I think at least McLaurin should be like you're seeing Eckler and even like Jacobs drafted in some of these, like. That seems dumb. Like, McLaurin should be the pick if you're looking for, like, the guy who has a
1: big ceiling in, in round one to advance some teams. Right. Yeah. And I, I do like the Dolphins. I wonder where they're going now.
0: Yeah. Okay, Pat. I, I don't know why the screen sharing is not working. So, um, why don't we just – you want to just pull up a draft and I can just verbally say what our teams were I, for some reason. I can't. Yeah,
1: but you have to bring my screen up because I'm not logged into StreamYard. Oh, Okay. There we go. All right, so we got mine going. Okay.
0: Oh wait, I figured out how to get mine. Okay. I'm going to Here's our teams. Figured it out finally. Um we'll make sure our draft doesn't fill, but we so we did a Eagle stack hurts Sanders. Our draft did fill. AJ Brown and um the draft filled. Okay, we'll go back to it in a sec. So we got Eagles in Baltimore with All right. Some we got T Higgins and that that seems we took a lot of Baltimore players. We were just talking about how gross that is, and we took, we took a lot of them. <laughs> Only an idiot would do it. Okay. <laughs> took two for night and likely, and then our oh other Burrow team, stack. We got a Philly and Cincinnati oh, stack. Oh this team is sexy.
1: This team's sick,
0: dude. And Miami, three of the best Miami Holy players. Holy crap! All right, I don't even know if we need to do anymore, man. <laughs> yeah, we might be done. <laughs> we're not going to get that Cincinnati that value. He's amazing. So How do we do that? We got Mixon, Jamar, T. Higgins, and Burrow, and then Hertz, Goddard. Yeah, the Philly part of it is a little weak. It's uh, Hertz, Gainwell, and Goddard. But if it's a Philly Cincinnati Super Bowl, we have so many good players in that uh, matchup. So, I mean, right plus football. we
1: have uh, Waddle and Tyreek. So we're good with the. Yeah. Wait, that's Is this team. working? What's going on? Okay, we just started. We just started. Yeah. Um, okay. So who's your number two pick now?
0: Um, It's, it's either Allen or Mahomes. I think Hurts, the only reason I go Allen over Hurts is because the Eagles have a 76% chance of getting the bye now, and the Bills are only at like 45. So I think that gives me time Are you building
1: me. two quarterback teams with Allen or
0: just one? I think you can do it either way. I think I think I would go too this early in the year. Um, because it's not like like the second quarterback isn't like dead to help you, even if Allen does, you know, doesn't get the bye. You know what I mean? Like there could be a week where I don't know, Josh Allen has a bad game and the Bills still beat the Jets in round in round one, and you needed like points from Tom Brady to advance or something. So I think I don't think you have like if you get completely boxed out of quarterback, like I think it's OK to just take Josh Allen at a 45 percent chance. But
1: I think I would lean to what are your thoughts there? I've been doing the dumb thing where I'm just going, I'm going one. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like, when it's, you know, you kind of you give yourself the chance of building a team like we just although that team does have two quarterbacks. So uh, I don't know. I'm fine either way. I'm fine to build too. Maybe maybe I should build too since you're you're being prudent about it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um,
0: I think I think it can be sort of a game time call based on like if you really need a player from an opposing team or a Bills pass catcher to like make your Super Bowl make sense. I think it's justifiable if it feels like kind of a luxury pick. Either way, I think like you might as well go with the quarterback. Um, yeah but yeah. Okay. I think we're going to have the, I don't even care if he snipes someone snipes us. We're going to have the Gabe Davis decision here. um, At either pick two or pick three, I've been fading Davis on Josh Allen teams. And that might be stupid. um, But like, man, it's just so hard for me to take like Gabe Davis over. Let's see. Who would the NFC guys be here? Um, Well, the uh, the NFC guys guys got
1: a lot tougher um with Debo, you know.
0: Uh yeah, cuz Debo's not really Do we go Dalvin or
1: Gabe or Pollard? Um we could go Pollard and play for Dallas and see if uh, Gabe can play I like it. that. I think I like that.
0: Man, it's t- with SF like so ding now that makes that makes this pick pretty tough.
1: Yeah, we need to get something on the NFC side and it's not going to be Eagles probably Dallas, I mean Dallas looks so good yeah and that the adp values have not caught up
0: on like Schultz and Gallup and now' probably aside right. from us but you can get those guys pretty late and like Gallup's role and like production has really ticked up lately so I like- it
1: really has yeah yeah um and you know they're they're like smoking teams right now but in the playoffs both them and the Eagles are like kind of exciting in that they might be actually pushed for a full four quarters. Uh, yeah. I think we should go Gabe now. Okay. Like we get a stack. I don't know. Feels like.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm fine with that. I, I think like we, we could have played it by taking Sanders or Cook, I think, and then like. We can set up like either Dallas or Philly, or either Dallas or Minnesota in the NFC. But I, I think this is fine. Um Yeah, like Gabe Davis still has a huge ceiling, so right. He's not going to last to our next pick.
1: Um, no, he definitely won't. Wow. So it's CD Dak and then Burrow. That's see. I I wouldn't take. Although I wonder when we took Burrow you know, on that Hurts team, but that feels um, a little early. Yeah. I think pretty late. Yeah, dude, you're competing against our Burrow team. Yeah, you can't. You can't <laughs>
0: draft Burrow in this format.
1: <laughs> you just can't draft him now. We got him so cheap. <laughs> <laughs> Even though we drafted him, and
0: we actually drafted him in the way too early wild card, and this is the wild card. But this is
1: you, a different format. You, you <laughs> it's still a different Tournament,
0: <laughs> okay. It's, it's a different tournament, but you still. I wouldn't advise it. I um, wouldn't advise it. It's kind of embarrassing <laughs> when we screenshot our burrow team versus yours that like for the bid equity, you just, you can't really do it.
1: <laughs> it's not even the same tournament. Uh, oh man. All right. Um, so what are we doing? I, Juju um, just went. I have an idea. Uh, okay. I, I I have some thoughts of, um,
0: can you scroll down a little bit?
1: Yeah.
0: Wanna we'll see who's still okay.
1: Oh, oh fuck, Devontae Smith is what I wanted. Yeah. That's a that would have been a really nice pick. We could go with McKenzie. We could go with Waddle. Uh could go with Andrews, I guess. Thoughts? Mm. Um, it's all AFC stuff, so this this is
0: all flipped. This sucks. I guess I'll go with um, Waddle. Just play for play for Buffalo, Miami in the uh, AFC Championship game, and yeah, I guess. I just feel like uh, there, I, it's like taking McKenzie or Singletary when we can get like
1: Knox or Cook later. Just feels like uh, I don't know. I agree. Yeah, I don't want Singletary. I think I'm McKenzie. Here is our next pick. Um, uh, McKenzie, or we could go with something NFC, but I think it has to be NFC now. Yeah, I have i am th- I'm gonna wait till this guy picks.
0: Um, well, whatever. If he snaps us, like what, I what actually know, this- I know what, what we should have done. Gallop or what are thoughts on just going Gallup or Schultz with on these picks? Like, is it way too early?
1: Uh, probably, I think we might be able to get at least one of them with their next pick okay what were you thinking uh godwin godwin i like that gets us to an nfc team yeah. I, and i agree i think we can tack on a second bill later
0: yep let's see that yeah the waddle—it's always tough with the the waddle pick. Just doesn't feel as like clean. But I think just get it at some point. Just getting the guy who's going to be projected for like the most points in a week makes sense. And if Buffalo and Miami make it to the championship game, like that can be really valuable. But yeah, it doesn't. It's tough because you
1: don't feel good. You're like, ah, oh, it's such a dumb pick. If these guys play each other, you know, in like what the first or second round. Yeah. So I guess they wouldn't be able to play each other in the first round, right? Um, I don't know. It's it so fluid cool in the FC. Yeah.
0: Uh, well, Brock Purdy going at <laughs> the fifth round. That's gonna be a real okay. shame when Josh Johnson is starting next week. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um. <clears throat> but but I do. I mean, yeah. The the Waddle pick tough because you can see it paying off, but it's just like harder to harder to know yeah it's
0: just like any any of the good picks there were so far down and like I I don't see any names here that have gone yet that I was like oh I wish we took him instead of Waddle like Mixon Debo like none of these other guys make sense I guess we could have gone Goddard but then like there was no other Philadelphia guys to to pair him with really Um, right like yeah I don't know also, I will point out Waddle. I don't know. Oh, fuck, Gallup went. That's annoying. Waddle did leave with an injury last week too, right?
1: Yeah, he's kind of dinged up though. I don't think it's okay. the type of thing that would affect a playoff run. So I think we should well, – When we could go McKenzie. We could also go with oh. another Buccaneer or um, or Schultz. Do you want to grab McKenzie here? This is pretty or single cherry. I, I kind
0: of like getting a Tampa Bay guy, and then we get our pick of a Buffalo running back, just to get a running back with Josh Allen.
1: Okay, Do you want to do Mike Evans? Yeah, I like Mike
0: Evans. All right, because I, I think there is value. Like, I think we should get a Buffalo running back here because that way we're like guaranteed to at least have like one running back spot in the Super Bowl if the Bills make it. Right. That's smart. Um, that gives us some flexibility. Where, like, we don't need to get a Tampa Bay running back if we get boxed out or something like that. Do you have a um, preference between them? I'll go Cook. Yeah, it's just more fun. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know. Like, I just think they're kind of like. I think in the playoffs, the things just seem to be trending in the
1: direction that would go Cook. I think it's definitely a toss-up, but. Now by ADP here to get Singletary at a pick 38, he has got a 22.7 p Does that does that factor in for you at all? Mm. Is the market efficient? I don't think the
0: market's efficient. What, what do you, what do you, would you be cook or singletary?
1: I mean cook's way more fun. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Think, I think singletary. What do like, you know uh, the market? You don't know anything. Yeah, the market, the market's dumb.
0: I, I think <laughs> I don't think the market's dumb, but I do think ADP takes a little while to like. There's not a huge volume of drafts, on right? It. Like I think, I think it's a pretty justifiable pick. All right. It may just be me doubling down on what I did this summer, which was take zero Singletary and take only Cook, and that is blown up in my face. But
1: eh, maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe it hasn't. You just got to <laughs> advance the teams with Cook with other players, and then all of a sudden you get to be like, I got a lone guy, dude. This is the whole yeah. point. <laughs> <laughs> I have a team, uh one of my redacted teams that I, I've checked occasionally. And uh I took Cook over Ramondre Stevenson in that league. It's a pretty early draft, oh. I assume. Yeah. But it's it's in first place. So now I'm like, maybe that was genius. That was, that was actually smart.
0: you yeah, that was always the thesis of the play that you knew Cook would be my, a bad pick.
1: <laughs> my other picks were so good, I should make a bad pick here.
0: I'll have to go up on a bit of a rant, but I've seen all like Best ball galaxy brain Twitter being like guys, like you should actually like not be excited about the high advanced rate players, like <laughs> yeah, low it's, advanced It's rate bad players. if you have Jacob. It's, yeah, it's bad if you have all the good players, which so I'm like, okay, mathematically <laughs> I get it, but like how is that actionable, guys? Like, how are you how are you predicting the low <laughs> advanced rate players? Like, <laughs> like if anyone can tell me how to how to do that, then like yeah, I don't know. It just seems like a ridiculous. Yeah, it is a bit, isn't
1: it? Um, All right. I think we have an easy pick if it gets to us. Yeah, I do too. And then... Oh, sorry. I keep forgetting to put the draft board back on. Sorry. Sorry, viewers. We got Jake... Um, Oh, uh,
0: Schultz, right? Is that what you're thinking?
1: I think Schultz is kind of a no-brainer.
0: Yeah. Dal- I think Dallas... Yeah, that's like the most likely Super Bowl scenario we have on the
1: NFC going... So now we have, we're live for two different Super Bowls. Yep. Um, and then, let's see, I'm going to go back to here. So we could go Knox. We could go uh, Rashad White. I think probably, mm, probably done yeah. on Dallas. Dallas is tough.
0: What are the quarterbacks that are left?
1: Just thinking about. Oh, that's a good point. So
0: Gino is our last chance at a quarterback. But like, wait, what are the Seahawks' odds of making it? It's not even guaranteed. Oh, it's 80%. Uh I think we should go with White or Fournette here. And then if Gino is available for us in the very last round, I would consider it. But I like locking up.
1: Another ten. What about there. uh, what about Knox? Does that hold any? So we have we, we already have two bills, but that would be a third.
0: Uh, it'd be a fourth, right? Wait, we have three. Um, do we? We have so Davis. We have but... Gabe... Oh, sorry. You mean plus Allen? Um, yeah. I would go. I would go white, but Knox is fine. All right,
1: we got white. I uh, couldn't find him for a second. I started to panic. Um, yeah, getting right. auto drafted George Kittle would have been pretty brutal. That would have been a pretty bad way to end this team.
0: <laughs> We'd have to take Josh Johnson, and this next pick, just. Oh god! It.
1: All right, so I think we could go Gino here, and we could go. I think at, at this point, if we didn't get Gino, I would say Knox, but we'll see.
0: Yeah, if
1: Knox is available, I'm. I'm even. I don't know. Knox versus Gino. No, I'd be Gino too, but I. I think we have. I'd be Knox over the rest of the... Yeah. I mean, Trent Sherfield just won, so...
0: <laughs> yeah, like, da- who would the Dallas pick be? Would it be... I guess it would be Noah Brown Noah or James Brown. Washington. Um, the yeah. other... Like, at Tampa, I guess you could go Julio or Nat, but that seems, like, kind of gross. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah. I think we have to. We couldn't go for net. We have to kind of make that bet. But but Julio, I guess, would be in play. Although then it's like we should probably have Brady. <laughs> yeah, he made a huge stack on the on the Bucks. The
0: thing about Tampa that's great is like they have such a good chance of hosting a first round playoff game at this point. Um, that like I think you can feel. Even though the team's not great, I feel pretty good about like their chances of getting two games in the playoffs just because of that home playoff game. Um, I guess it would be against
1: Dallas, which is maybe something that we fucked up. All right, so we're on the clock. Uh, so Knox, So the decision point is Knox and we play for the Bills not to get the bye. And the team's basically dead if it does. Or Gino, because the Bills are going to get the bye. But then the, that gives the Bills a better odds of making the Super Bowl which is what we need to happen. I think we should go Knox because
0: I'm pretty if I'm thinking about this right, I'm pretty sure like we we stacked up Dallas and Tampa Bay, which is actually maybe kind of dumb, right? Because if Tampa Bay wins their division and Dallas is the best wild card team, that means they play around one. Oh yeah, that's bad. <laughs> so <laughs> 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 I'm saying because we because we did that, we want to like maximize the number of players we have left in future rounds, which I think leads us to Knox over Chino. But that's, Dallas that's the, that Dallas needs to win that.
1: the NFC East. Yeah, Yeah. Dallas, yeah. <laughs> uh, or or San Francisco needs a crater, so that I mean they really need the crater. All right, let's do, let's do another one of these before I call it. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not really good to
0: to end the draft with. That was that was pretty dumb. So when yeah. half
1: of your team, um oh, FF Doom was saying that's what I was trying to say. Yeah. All right. Well, you know what? We learn by doing on this <laughs> on this show. We learn by doing. And What you're not supposed to do is to stack up two teams that play each other in round one. No, we we actually yeah, did this in intentionally.
0: It's sort of like a teaching moment for all of you guys. You yeah. Know, like, now you guys thing. know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember though, like. Like, so the Cowboys still have a 21% chance of winning their division. Like, I remember last year trying to do all this, like, mapping out of what teams are going to play what. There's four weeks left, or no, five weeks left in the regular season. Like, there's going to be so much chaos that, like, getting too micro about being like, oh, this team's going to play that team. Like, it's a lot is up in flux. I I probably would try to stay away from, like, Dallas, Tampa Bay stacks because of, like, the, you know, more than likely chance they're going to play each other. But it's, I don't think it really matters that much.
1: That's probably the only one. Uh yeah. The one that we just did. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only thing you shouldn't do. <laughs> Literally the only thing
0: to avoid is what we just did. All right. We uh, gotta yeah. we got a headline for our show, at least. The one
1: thing to not do. <laughs> don't don't yeah, the one mistake not to make. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there you go. Do All right, this will man. be
0: oh, we are gonna still have a chance at one of the quarterbacks thought maybe
1: Justin Jefferson. That's an interesting one.
0: All right. Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I think it's I think not overthinking that one makes sense. Yeah.
1: Let's get ourselves some Philly. Getting Hurts four is kind of nice. Yeah, a little easier to build with them. Yep. And then what do you, so, okay. Obviously, if we have a chance to stack, we're stacking, but uh we don't have a chance to do that because A.J. Brown just went. Yeah. So I feel like AFC wide receiver makes sense, and we've got a bunch of dudes to pick from. Yep. We'll have a lot of options.
0: Um, I think Kelsey's going to go. He would be the, I think, no-brainer if he's available, but then after yep. that, it's like a bunch of guys that we can go with. What are uh what are what's Miami's odds of making the Super Bowl? Um they are lower than the Bengals considerably. So, so we should probably go Jamar. I would I would strongly lean Jamar here over Tyreek. Um I think that's I think like that there's this anchoring effect in these ADPs where the Bengals were all so low when they like were 50 to even make the playoffs, and it just hasn't caught up yet. Like Mix in is way too low in these things. Still, um, Cincinnati,
1: Cincinnati looks really good. Um, yeah, there and the coaching's better than I thought they'd be.
0: Yeah. See, yeah, see, this is like CMC. You're gonna there's value in doing these drafts now, while the SF ADPs are way up there. Like McCaffrey in the second round. I'm sorry for whoever's if, you know whoever this is watching this, but I think that's just like an unjustifiable
1: pick. (laughs) You did I thought maybe you were gonna kind of go like there. I'm sorry, you might be watching, but you're a fucking one. Actually, we're
0: changing the name of the YouTube to to two things to not do in underdog. Yeah.
1: (laughs) We only made one of them.
0: (laughs) It's just like their path to the Super Bowl is so thin now with Brock Purdy that like if you're taking a player in the second round who is like so likely to not make it far in the playoffs like you're just gonna lose i think
1: <laughs> uh, i'm with you i agree sorry uh, sorry
0: to uh, the listeners if you think yeah sorry took christian that. mccaffrey uh, you can rip us in the chat for what we did in our last team yeah we, have, we made
1: an unjustifiable draft that's only one <laughs> thing so uh, you're doing all right all right what are we doing here we got I think maybe we could go Devonte. We could go Higgins. We got Miles Sanders there too. We could also go Burrow. We probably need another quarterback. I know I just made fun of Jake. Yeah, game. I wouldn't. We just I don't know. think I'd go
0: quarterback. I'd be between Sanders, Higgins, or Devonta. I kind of like Sanders just for the running back points. Like, yeah, the scarcity argument. Um, All right, let's do Sanders. I just really like the the quarterback running back stacks in these way more than I do in like a traditional format, just because like those are kind of the two scarce positions in a way. And if you're just like, if the Eagles are making the super bowl, like I think a Sanders team, like, I don't know just just in in the weeks where it hurts, like doesn't have a massive game,
1: like Sanders can really help you. I don't know. Um, The Eagles are also so willing to shift their approach. Like maybe more than any other team in the league, they'll play the matchup. So you could have, and we're going to be drafting a second quarterback here anyway. Yeah. Um, So we could, I think it makes sense. So we still have a choice between T and Devonta here. Um, I think I'm Devonta. Yeah, I think I am too. Right? Get the stack. Now, we're probably done on the Eagles. I think we have to be done on the Eagles, which is... Yeah. But this is a very high value stack that we're getting. Or are you T? Are you having second thoughts? No, I I like Devonta. Okay.
0: He... Yeah, the got like I was going to say, like wait for Goddard, but the Goddard injury thing kind of scares me a little bit. Um, and I think like Devonta, and, I don't know, like Devonta and AJ Brown has been a lot closer than I thought it was going to be this year. Like obviously, AJ Brown is still like the alpha, but it's kind of like I'm trying to think of a good comparison. It's a little bit like the Jamar Higgins thing where I think like it is a bit Smith can be the Higgins and have like a massive week. Like he showed that this year a little bit.
1: Um, yeah, I like that comp. Yeah. All right. I feel like uh there's two really strong pick oh, uh them goes. Mixon was was who I was gonna say. Yeah, that would have been good. What about Burrow here? We're now playing for a Cincy Philly Super Bowl.
0: I like Burrow here. We need to get a second quarterback anyway. We need to get a second quarterback. And it's not like there's not an obvious if like Mixon was still there, um then I would definitely be mixing, but if, without another obvious next pick. I
1: yeah, like, yeah we're, we're kind of picking a second AFC team or tacking on Goddard, but we can't really afford to tack on Goddard, I don't think, because they're, no. the they're getting the buy. They're getting the buy. It's, yeah, 76%
0: chance. Um, yeah, I mean, like, there's there obviously is a universe where the Cowboys or the Vikings get the buy. Interesting, 538 actually has the Cowboys as a higher chance of getting the buy than the Vikings do. I guess it's because they play the Eagles head to head once, uh, and they're just good. better. Yeah, I mean they're they're just really good. They're yeah, and they're better that too. Um, yeah, but their record is like the point being the the Cowboys' record is nine and three, and the Vikings are ten and two. So just thought it was interesting. The model says they have a higher chance of getting the buy, even with like the extra extra game they have to make up. But um, okay, um, should we go Baltimore and get the other AFC team?
1: That's kind uh, of what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, we can get Andrews here. Um, get our other AFC team here. I like that, and then we can tack on. I guess we could go NFC as well because we do have a Burrow, oh, yeah. Chase. Go so Godwin. we're not. I kind of like Andrews over Godwin.
0: Yeah, let's do it. Let's. We talked about Baltimore to to start the show. Tampa
1: Bay maybe... looks so weak.
0: They do. Baltimore looks. I mean, Baltimore just barely beat the Broncos, so I'm not that fired
1: up. But that I mean, that's, that's true too. <laughs> The Broncos actually at least have a good defense. They do have a good defense, yeah. And maybe, uh, maybe Dobbins, maybe Dobbins. It is Who's so funny thinking? that
0: if the Broncos just had like, if they had like Detroit, I'm trying to think of like an average offense. Like Detroit's even maybe better than average. Like if the Broncos had like the Jags offense, I think they would be like eight and four this year.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they would be. because the Jag- That's a good. That's a good one because the Jags defense is is so bad as well. Like what if they had the Raiders offense? Would they like Yeah, <laughs> it might be 9 and 3. They might be like they'd be like the Vikings like level Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's essentially what the Vikings are. Yeah. <laughs> Although they I mean they don't even have the I mean the Vikings defense is much worse than the Broncos. Yeah, the, poor the Broncos, Broncos defense, man. What a wasted nasty. year. All right, what do we got? What are we looking for? We're looking for some Ravens, some Bengals. Not a ton, uh, I guess. We, um... Um, I
0: like. I guess I would like Boyd here. It's a. I don't think we ADP matters that much. That just feel out of the teams we have. That feels like the best player available. Um, Yeah, we're making a big bet on the Bengals. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, that feels that feels all right to me. Uh, like the other players I'm thinking about,
0: not to so we get sniped later, would be like for the teams we have, like Dobbins, I think is in play later. I think Piran is actually even potentially in play later. Oh, that's Um, an interesting thought. Yeah. Um. Just as like a guy that could get us seven points in a week if the Bengals advance plus the contingent upside. Like no one's taking Piran in this format, which I think is somewhat interesting. Um, We know his role is like massive if something happened to Mixon.
1: Um, We probably could go with like an NFC extra piece, which I guess would be Barkley, but I don't love that. I don't love that
0: either. If we were going to go to like, like random NFC running back, I would probably go back to like the Leonard Fournette or Rashad Whitewell before I went with Barkley. What
1: about know. Walker?
0: Yeah. Yeah, or Walker. Walker's a good one. Actually, I, I like, I, I don't hate Walker here as just a way to get running back points and help us advance. Um, Because I think the other guys we like, like Dobbins and Pirine and stuff, we can get later. I I like Walker or like White here, I think, would be my two guys. Let's go Walker.
1: Yeah. Uh, I feel like we've done a lot of Tampa Bay. Yeah. Um, Yeah, all right. I like that. And then we could maybe go third running back, I guess. I mean, at this point, we
0: could eat like Lockett wouldn't be a horrible pick either because we would. Oh, that's that's an interesting thought. We would technically be in play for a
1: Cincinnati-Seattle Super Bowl. Um, we need things to break right here with like who plays who, but yeah. we, we're still limiting to four teams, which I think, yeah, I think is fine.
0: Seattle would be, yeah, I don't know. Predicting Seattle's seed is really tough right now. They could be, they could win the division now with um, Purdy and it and for the 49ers, they could also be the wild card team. It, it's a tough one to
1: predict, so we um, could go um Dobbins here or we could go Lockett here. How would you rather play that? I would go Lockett.
0: Just for the I, I just like the like the the points that Lockett yeah. can give us. And I think we can just like that Dobbins. he's
1: gonna wildly outscore Dobbins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that seems like a fair reason
0: to take because if we get sniped on Dobbins like Gus, I don't know, is Gus Edwards that different of a pick from Dobbins? Or is Piron that much different of a pick? I think like I think we should take a running back here. Like I like Dobbins the most, but I'm okay with one of those two other
1: guys, I think. Um Piron's interesting because like we did a one off Andrews, which he's he's just he's Andrews. Like it kind of makes sense, you know, if they play two or three games, like he could be awesome. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean we need to make this big bet on Baltimore, especially since we already have Burrow. Yeah. So yeah, maybe adding and we have, we have Boyd. So maybe Piran would be. Play. not.
0: Yeah, to your point, is it? I, I guess like the math only works for a Philly Baltimore Super Bowl if we take another Baltimore player here, right? Because if we want to like keep that outcome in play where it can be Philly Baltimore and we have five players in the finals, we need to take a Baltimore player here.
1: I think we're dead if it's Philly Baltimore, right? Like we're we have Burrow, Chase, um, and Boyd. But if it's Philly Baltimore,
0: don't we have like and and Hertz is a yeah, quarterback? Right. We, we have Hertz, in, yeah. We have Hertz, Sanders, Devonta, and Andrews. Like, I don't think that's crazy where it would be in play for
1: All right, maybe Dobbins is the move.
0: Yeah. Because, like, yeah, there could be where Like, if Baltimore makes it to the Super Bowl, they're probably, like, doing it in kind of a gross way. That's just a ton of Andrews points and not much else. But you still would want, like, some player to get you points in the finals, which could be
1: Dobbins. I don't know. Yeah. Ryan is saying Cincy and Baltimore are pretty unlikely to play each other. So that makes Dobbins more interesting. Makes sense. I trust. Trust him. All right. So I feel like we did this one. This one was better. This one was not a mistake that you must avoid. <laughs> <So> that's <laughs> yes. good. That's always <laughs> step. I like
0: no this one's in because we have we could be a Cincy. We have four Super Bowls, I think, that all work. Like we constantly concentrate... have four
1: Super Bowls. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting, I think. Um so now we're saying we need to run hot. Obviously, these four teams need to advance. We basically need to run hot to where these teams are actually in line to play each other and then do play each other in the championship games. So yeah. now we're work now are we're, we're cooking here. Yeah. Uh Ryan says both Ravens and Bengals have tiebreaker over Titans for what would be the 3 versus 4 seed. So wow. Ryan
0: already knows his playoff tie-riggers tie for 3 versus 4 seed. That's pretty impressive. I need to need All to right. get on that level. I wonder why the Bengals beat the Titans. I think is that that must be what it is. The Bengals and Ravens both have beaten the Titans. I'm guessing. I don't know.
1: Yes, and let's see. All right. Uh, so this one, yeah, this is another one, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I like this team is fun. I like it.
1: What's the mistake? <laughs> I <You> can't even. <laughs> how this dude won one mistake. It's going to look a lot um, better
0: when we're screenshotting this team that
1: won. I think now. this one I got, I did before the week and I just like went, I was like, I'm going hurts one solo quarterback. <laughs> and then, then they won in big, in a huge fashion. And now this team's dead, but, uh, you know, kind of a fun team. Yeah. That, yeah. You never know. Fun dead team. You never know. Come on fun down. That so.
0: team. Oh, that was fun. Uh, I'm, All right. I'm so addicted to these drafts.
1: Um, they are fun. Would recommend.
0: Cool. Well, uh, that was a lot of fun. Fun Pat. Thanks for, for hopping on. Um, I know obviously you guys will be doing ship chasing uh tomorrow night. Um what what are, are we talking about? Playoffs uh scenarios for the teams or what are we doing there?
1: Talking playoffs, yeah. We're gonna be uh probably without Pete, I would assume. Um I've not heard any news, uh, but Yeah, Uh, we'll we'll assume no Pete tomorrow, but uh, still swing by, check us out. We'll be doing the show. Awesome, sounds good.
0: And uh, yeah, like I mentioned at the top, you can follow me at ShermanFFB for all the charts. I'll post um, the playoff charts I showed quickly, as well as the normal weekly stat chasing charts. Um, But but yeah, go have fun and uh, draft some of these playoff basketball teams and. Good luck to everybody uh, in the fantasy playoffs this week. We'll see you all next week.